following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Is this on? Uh, our first reading is Psalm 98. And I'll just give you a moment to find it in your Bibles. Psalm 98 says this. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. And our New Testament reading is Acts 10 verses 44 to the end. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay a few days with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Enable us this morning to be open to your spirit speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text today is the last snippet of a much longer story to do with Peter, the centurion Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit. I realize when we speak to a camera and invite people from him, we invite them to open up their Bibles. It's really great to see a few people have actually brought their own Bibles into church this morning. If you're uh, more technically minded, feel free to get out your Bible app because um, we'll move about in chapter 10. Or if you're anything like me, sometimes I switch off a little bit from the preacher and um, find it uh, worthwhile being able to read around the text. Last week, Philip Plimming uh, was speaking to us and helping us think through the story of Philip, who was one of the early believers, and the Ethiopian court official. 
and that first instance recorded of the church expanding beyond those first Jewish believers. It was another first in the life of the early church and another in the list of new beginnings that characterize this book of Acts. Philip emphasized the differences of the two men whilst pointing us to the new humanity that was taking shape based around the reconciling, forgiving, gracious love of Jesus Christ poured out on the cross and uniting believers into the people of God. Well, God is always moving his church on into uncharted waters. And this week we see that happening through the disciple Peter. The early church appears to be following closely in the rabbinic tradition that Jesus established with the disciples in that proclamation and demonstration go hand in hand. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus said and Jesus showed. The disciples watched and they learned. Then after a while, Jesus encouraged them to have a go. It was the rabbinic way, the way of the teacher, to have your disciples form into your way of life. The early church scattered through persecution began to spread out around the region, telling and showing, proclaiming the way of Christ and demonstrating what that looked like through signs and wonders. For the word to be accompanied by the act was completely normal in those days. So how did the early church go about this? in the day-to-day. Well, they had learned an openness to God in prayer. If we look at the beginning of chapter 10, well, about verse 9, you will see that Peter is following the example of Christ. He may not have had an available mountain to climb, as so often Jesus had done, to spend time alone with his father but he had a rooftop in the house he was staying at. And this suffices as somewhere quiet to pray. He is deeply challenged by the vision he sees and doesn't understand, but it prepares him for an encounter beyond his imagination. Cornelius, if you turn to the beginning of chapter 10, is a devout man. And uh, rather than playing his part as one of the Roman oppressors of the people, which was his job, it's why he was there, he had, in fact, spent time learning the faith and the customs of the Jews. He spent time joining in as much as he could, rather than worshipping the plethora of gods his own people preferred. His regular times of prayer led him into the presence of God. On this occasion, even a visitation from an angel. It prepares him for an encounter he is excited for and determined to experience. 
I was on my way to church one evening some years ago, so not this church. As I walked, I asked the Lord if there was anything he wanted to do in the service or speak to people about. I sensed the Holy Spirit say broken hearts. Now it was Valentine's Day, so I was ready to dismiss this thought as my imagination. The preacher spoke really well about the state of our hearts, but he never mentioned broken ones. I asked if I could say something and shared the thought that I had had on the way to church, suggesting that there might be someone in the service who needed God to mend their heart. Another person came up to say she hadn't heard a word that I'd said, but on her way into church that evening, she had received a picture from the Holy Spirit of a biscuit breaking in two, and the knowledge that this was a picture of how someone felt about their heart, that it was broken in pieces, but that God wanted to mend the heart. Someone in the congregation began to weep and found people to pray with. Openness to God in prayer can bring an encounter that changes everything. So what about that openness to encounter? Well, Peter was prepared when the soldier and the servants from Cornelius turned up at the house. He was prepared to go on a journey. These were unclean people in Peter's eyes, but he had been prepared for this. He was prepared to enter the home of a Gentile. Didn't stop him telling them that he shouldn't really be there because this wasn't the done thing. He recognized the Holy Spirit when he came in power on the gathering of people in the house of Cornelius. So that's Peter's openness to encounter. Cornelius, as I said, had been prepared through this encounter with the angel. He'd acted on that. He had gathered his family and friends as quite an assembly, according to the text. The anticipation must have been palpable. Their hearts are soft and open and ready. Friends of ours who used to live up here in the northeast had not been Christians for very long. They were leading the youth group in their church and they had a youth group session. They'd been reading the Bible. They'd started to pray. The Holy Spirit had come upon them all together. So one of our friends ran out to the nearest phone box, it was some years ago, ran out to call the vicar to say, you better get here quick because we're not quite sure what's going on and you need to see this. The vicar came, he looked around at this room full of teenagers who were speaking in tongues, on the floor, laughing, crying, looked at our friends and said, carry on. And off he went back home again. They were a room full of young people who had open hearts. And certainly for our friends, it changed their approach and their own openness to the Holy Spirit from that moment on. It brings us to that place of openness, to God's compassion and mercy. God wants to heal people. He wants to bring them into relationship with him. This is what Jesus showed his disciples, and it's how the early church is functioning.
Peter has been here and there. He was healing Aeneas from his paralysis, then raising Tabitha from the dead. And at this point, I really was hoping to show us all a video from a lady called Louise. She told me she'd be watching at home, so I'm sorry Louise and Louise's mum. We can't show the video this time, but I'm sure there'll be another occasion. Louise, let me tell you in my words rather than hers, had been invited onto our Alpha course that was running before Easter. She'd been invited by a friend who had done the Alpha course last summer. It came to the Holy Spirit morning. And obviously Louise had been through the Alpha course up to this point. She had heard who God is. She had discussed with her, the fellow guests on the course, who they thought Jesus is. They had come to this Holy Spirit day and uh, where there was an anticipation about who the Holy Spirit is and how we meet the Holy Spirit. So Louise and uh, two others, uh, I might as well say one of them was me, Where's, uh, one of them was Anne, she's here today, um, I think she's on, on the door. And we were in a breakout room and we were praying and we, all we did was invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. And uh, all three of us started to cry because sometimes when you meet with the power of God that is just what happens. Louise had said very little before we prayed, simply that she'd been struggling with anxiety. But as we prayed, she knew she could feel it happening, that anxiety was lifting. She could feel strange sensations going on in her body, the headache that she had had for an entire year and had tried everything to get rid of, lifted in that moment. She relaxed. She kept on crying. But it was really because she, she was meeting with the Holy Spirit. It would have been better in Louise's words. But isn't it interesting that through Alpha, through friendship, Louise is understanding the gospel, who Jesus is, what it means to know him as her Lord and Saviour, to live her life orientated around him. Through meeting the Holy Spirit, Jesus, uh, through meeting the Holy Spirit, Louise has learned already that the Christian faith isn't just about learning stuff, but about a relationship with her Heavenly Father who loves her, who really does care for her, and wants her to live a fuller life. One of the things in our conversation that Louise kept saying was, I just feel like I'm more me and I know I look different and I sound different. She's already learned that God is a God of power and the Holy Spirit comes in power to release and heal and bring freedom. Soft hearts open us to God's compassionate mercy in powerful encounters in him. People object to the Holy Spirit at times. I was having a conversation only yesterday with someone 
We were out on a walk and she just said, oh, I've done the Alpha course, but the Holy Spirit's tricky. So we unpacked that a little bit. People object to the power of the Holy Spirit because they, sometimes they object to the chaos. Peter is interrupted, how rude. Later on, we do in fact see though that Paul had to call the people of Corinth to order because they were being so chaotic in their worship. They were turning people off God rather than drawing people closer to God. So there's a case for good order in worship, but it is possible to hold openness and good order together in a way that edifies the church and builds it up rather than setting it against itself. God's sense of order is better than ours. People object to the loss of control. Speaking in tongues doesn't mean we have lost control, though. It means in openness to the Holy Spirit's power, some of us find a new language of prayer, a gift we can use or not use as we wish. However, the process of belief and faith and growing more deeply into a relationship with God is a process of surrender, a process of giving up the control that we hold so dear of our own lives and giving these different parts of our lives over to God. We can say no to the Holy Spirit. We can say the Holy Spirit can work like that in other people if he wants to, but not me. The thing is, when we reject the Holy Spirit, we reject the one who sent him we end up rejecting Christ. I think people also object to the power of the Holy Spirit out of fear. They don't understand. That's the fear of the unknown and the unpredictable. But the Holy Spirit is part of the whole personhood of God. And because the Holy Spirit's a person, even though divine, we can know him, speak with him, be comforted by him, if you look at chapter 9, verse 31, it says of the early church, that it was enjoying a time of peace and was strengthened. It was living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged or comforted by the Holy Spirit. And through that, it increased in number. And there are times I have not obeyed what the Holy Spirit was asking me out of fear or embarrassment or the risk of upsetting somebody, which is all a bit daft, really. The disciples didn't always understand what Jesus asked them to do and so would have questions. And I think clarifying questions are no bad thing. And I think it's okay if you think the Holy Spirit is asking you to do something slightly crazy to ask a bit more about what the Holy Spirit, what you think the Holy Spirit is asking. In fact, it can be very wise. The disciples never ever turned around and said, no, sorry, Jesus, don't feel like it today. Or I don't want to make a fuss or upset anybody. We know from Luke's gospel that the first time Jesus sent them out in pairs, they came back elated. They couldn't believe how much they had seen God to through them. For the first time in their lives, the faith they'd grown up with was making more sense. 
once they no longer had Jesus beside them, but had the Holy Spirit instead, they simply continued trusting that Jesus was with them through the power of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised he would be. Peter didn't object to being interrupted. He doesn't come across as scared or nervous or offended. This Gentile Pentecost is so similar to the one he and the other disciples had experienced, it struck him as entirely authentic. Peter recognized the welcome of God to the Gentiles. So the only response he could honestly make was to welcome them also into the church through baptism by water. Receiving the Holy Spirit doesn't preclude or override the need for baptism by water. One is a sign of the power of God in a person's life. The other is an outward sign of dying to our previous sinful life, of giving up that control that I spoke of, and of rising to new life in Christ and bearing witness to him through our communal life together. The result is the growth and spread of the church. If you ever think the Holy Spirit is possibly not quite authentic. Look for the fruit, because by the fruit you will see. I was hoping to share Louisa's story with you through the video, because she's an authentic example of the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life. Not just that, but because of the fruit that surrounds her story. A friend was so changed by meeting Jesus on the Alpha course that he invited Louise to come and experience the same. Louise has been so changed by meeting Jesus. And she knows everyone can see how different she is. And they're curious. Conversations she thought she would find difficult have been really easy. People want to know what has happened to her. Proclamation and demonstration, the word and the act together is normal in these days too. When we meet together to learn and worship and pray and praise, we should expect to meet with God too, shouldn't we? When we come to church, we don't just come for a nice song or to have our thinking stimulated. We come to meet the living God who is looking for soft hearts for openness to spirit, for an expectancy, looking for people who believe in the power of God to heal and restore, to build faith and give us hope, to comfort us and challenge us and lead us deeper into the new humanity that is the people of God in Christ. So we're going to stand now, please. And I'm going to pray. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we believe, is with us already. But it has to be said there's something about welcoming the Holy Spirit even more, of really opening our hearts and being expectant. Holy Spirit, come. 
fill our hearts again with our love for you. Open us to your power. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.